This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. Don't look back at what God has done in your life as much as looking forward to what God desires to do in your life. We can spend all of our life thinking, oh, I wish it was like it was back then. Instead of saying, God, what new thing do you want to do in my life right now, today, even here in this place? What do you want to do with my life right now? Are you forward-looking or living in the limelight? Some of us can find ourselves remembering the days where God had moved through us in pretty amazing ways, either through evangelism or time in His Word. Sometimes it just feels like God is speaking right to you and right through you. And then there are times where you might not even feel His presence at all. Pastor David exhorts us today not to live looking backwards, but to be anticipating God to do even greater things in you if you let him. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Haggai, chapter 1, verse 2, for today's study. They had just enough religion, just enough to satisfy them, but not really complete obedience to the Lord. Because again, in that time frame, God still wanted them to build the temple. Again, that was that place of focus, that place of worship for the people. And the people had, in essence, pretty well, not only had they gotten satisfied, but they had gotten pretty lazy because it had become so easy for them. Some of them have even gotten to that point where, again, there, there, there's nothing else really that I need to do. We, we, we built a little altar. That's fine. That's all I need. There, the sad part is that there's so many believers say, you know what? I said that prayer at that altar 20 years ago. That's all I need. I, I, I read that little pamphlet. I signed my name on the back. I mailed it away someplace. That's all I need. It's just, I, 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 I've done the main thing that needed to be done. I don't need anything else. And yet we read through the word of God and we understand, no, that should be just the beginning point. That should be the, the catalyst for the rest of your life, not the completed portion. The sad thing is so many believers, they figure just, they, they, they purchased this, you know, this ticket to heaven and they just got it in their back pocket and when they need it, they'll be able to pull it out and ready to go. But for you and I walking in the Lord, serving the Lord, being a part of the family of God, it's so much more than that. And I believe that true believers understand that. He goes on and he tells them, I'll back up a little bit. Verse 2, he says, thus speaks the Lord, the host saying, this people says, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Again, it's because they'd gotten into that comfort zone and they were satisfied. Some might have thought, well, there's others that are yet returning from Babylon. They haven't come back yet. So there's no real need to, to build the Lord's house yet. Let's wait till everybody gets back. And again, there's believers today that are living their lives without, uh, again, that eminence of the soon return of Christ, like we've been talking on Sunday morning. Oh, we've got plenty of time. I've got plenty of time to get my act together. Right now, there's too many things in the world that I'm involved with. I don't want to give up this. I don't want to give up that. I don't want to focus. I don't want to dial into that area, that spiritual area of my life. And yet, all the time, 
Man, the Lord say, what do you mean it's not time yet? What do you mean it's not time yet? Today, right now, is the time. He says in verse 3, The word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. It's time to get on a move. Then God says in verse 6, You have sown much, yet you bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Beloved, I believe that what we see in verse 6 is a godly principle. I believe that it's a principle of God's word. That if you and I, as his children, don't seek to serve him and follow him, and everything that we're doing, again, is in a, in a material way, we are not going to prosper. And what we do prosper will not satisfy, will not, again, be enough for us. Because, again, the Lord is our sufficiency. Now, does that mean we shouldn't take care of things? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is these guys were so, again, moved into that, that whole realm of, of material gain that their spiritual life was lacking so desperately. And so that material gain became so empty. Again, it wasn't enough. They weren't filled enough. They weren't warm enough. And even the wages that they had, it was like putting money in, in a bag with a, with a hole in it. Verse 7. Here again he says, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Twice now within just a couple of verses, consider your ways, consider your ways. The old saying is is that uh, sin will keep you from this book, but this book will keep you from sin because it will cause you to consider your ways. And if you don't want to consider your ways, then don't read this book because this book not only reveals God, and Christ, but it also reveals my heart. It reveals, again, that, that just the, the desperateness of my heart. And again, the, the plan and the focus of God. He says, consider your ways. Verse 8, go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when it when you brought it home, I blew it away. God is speaking here. He says, why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruits. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains and on the grain and the new wine and the oil and on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. We even sang about, man, there's there's that drought and I, I just want that flood. I want that flood of the Spirit over me. You wonder why, man, I just don't feel the... The joy of the Lord. I don't feel, you know, this, this strength of the Lord in my life. What are you investing your life into? What are you investing your time into? What's the focus of your life? He says, man, you took the, the effort to go and do all of this. He says, you went, you looked for much, but it came to little. 
Whatever you got, I, you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Because, again, you're neglecting the most important thing, and that's your own personal spiritual life. For them, it was the building of the temple. For you and I, the temple of the Lord is, again, within our lives. And where are we building? Where are we strengthening? Think about that just for a moment, if you would. Just pause for a second. Think about that. You don't need to raise your hand. You don't need to tell me your sin. We'll do that a little bit later. No, uh, just think about it for a moment. Where have you, just do a little mental calculating, where have you over this last week added to the inventory of your spiritual growth versus where have you added to the inventory of just your physical pleasure or physical gain? Just pondering those two things. You know, hey, you know, I know the ladies just came back from a, a great weekend up at the women's retreat. What a great deal. It took time. It took uh, 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 expense, everything to go up there. That's adding to your spiritual growth. I, I know that in one way I, I speak to the choir. You're here tonight. The message on maybe ought to go, uh, hey, everybody that's not here, you know, if you if you get the video, maybe. No. Uh, if Again, Maybe it's not you. Maybe you are here because you know, man, I want to add to that inventory of my spiritual growth. But guys, neither am I naive enough to know that just because somebody's at church on a Sunday or at church on a Wednesday at a men's Bible study or at a women's Bible study, that they are really gaining and growing in their spiritual growth. A lot of times we go through the motions. And going through the motions just doesn't cut it. And you know that yourself. If you're like me, you've been there, you've done that, you got a whole lot of t-shirts in your closet of just going through the motions and it not being real. He says, I've caused a drought in the land. I've, I've caused a drying up of the, the new wine and the oil. Anything that the ground would bring together. All that your hands labor. Verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shatiel, the who is the governor, and Joshua, who is the high priest, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you says the Lord. We talk a lot about the fear of God. And the fear of God isn't that, that whoa, he's, he's going to smack me if I turn around, if, if I dare step off, you know, that that, that right and true path. He's going to smack me. He's going to, and, and he waits for every opportunity. That's not the fear of God that we need to have. And I'm wondering for these guys here, they just got out of 70 years of exile. God had took them to the woodshed in a huge, huge way. The entire nation had fallen. Now they come back, and now Haggai is coming. Hey, you guys are blowing it again. You're blowing it again. And it says, and they feared the presence of the Lord. And the word that I love is what the Lord gave to Haggai the next time. He says, look, guys, I'm with you. I'm with you. And that's one of the greatest things, if you don't know yet, about the grace and the mercy 
the long-suffering, the patience of our God. When we turn back to him, he in no wise will cast us out. He is that, he is that father of the prodigal. And I've heard guys kind of describe the picture, but we also see it in the scripture. That kind of a heart and an attitude of the father almost every day, waiting on the porch, looking down that long road to see if his son's going to come back. See if my son's going to, maybe today my son will come back because he was always ready to receive him back. The son didn't think he would. The son thought that, well, if I come back, maybe I can get a job as, as, as just one of the, uh, the, the servants there. But the anticipation was of, of the father was, is when he comes back, oh, I'm going to embrace him. I'm going to bring him back into fullness again. And when the son started coming back that road, it says that then the what? The father stood on the porch and tapped his foot and waited for him to get there. Isn't that what it's, that's not what it says, is it? No. It says that the father then went running toward him, running toward him because he wanted him. That's the heart of our God. That's the heart of our God, is that when we fail, he knows that we are dust. He knows our frame. And when we fail, if we turn to him, he is quick to receive us back to himself. Verse 14, so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord their God on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. There was a revival that took place. There was a revival. Why does revival happen? Well, because we schedule uh, uh, five nights and we bring in a great worship team and we bring in this powerhouse preacher and we put the big banner on the front of the building. That's how revival happens. In most places, that's what they try to make happen. Revival happens when we as individuals, number one, we're convicted of our sin and our personal need to repent. Sometimes that happens church-wide, and that's awesome. Those are things that, no, we don't plan, hey, next March we're going to have a revival. You know, I think more often than not, we look back and say, wow, you know what? Last March, man, there was a revival that took place in our church. There was an excitement that took place. There was a, a filling of the Spirit, a stirring of the Spirit that, that took place. I don't think we can plan revival unless we plan that, you know what, we're going to have a time of just brokenness before the Lord. Don't even come to the meeting unless you're serious about being broken before the Lord. Unless you're serious about, again, just laying it all out before the Lord. Then we can plan revival. But I think revival happens more often than not when suddenly our hearts are pricked by the Spirit of God revealing the truth of who we are. And then in obedience, we're broken before God with confession and repentance. And then we're revived, we're restored in just that infilling work of the Spirit. Now, it's interesting. They are, again, they, they're they talking here, when did this take place? 
somebody tell me on chapter or verse 15 it says when it took place the 24th day of which month when did Haggai's ministry start look at verse 1 the first day of the sixth month we're only talking 23 days 23 days later of again God working and moving in the hearts of these people that had gotten cold, that got that had gotten satisfied, that had gotten complacent, that had gotten to the point of enough. I'm, I'm just I'm just satisfied in my spiritual walk. My open prayer for you, and it is for me too, is I'll never be satisfied with my spiritual walk because I know that there's always going to be more. I mean, when the Apostle Paul can say, you know what, I don't count that I've gained it, but this one thing I do, I continue to press on toward that high goal, then one of the things you and I need to understand, we we need never be satisfied with our spiritual walk, saying, you know what, I think I've arrived. I think I hit the level. I'm good now. I'm doing good. No, you, you may have hit a level, but one of the things I know about the time we coast, what happens? We We go backwards. You don't coast forward, folks. We always coast backwards. Within 23 days, God's stirring and moving them. Now the second movement of Haggai. There's actually four movements within this little two-chapter book. But the second movement comes in chapter 2, verse 1. Now we're in the seventh month. So we're uh, uh, just a month later. And actually, on the... 21st of that month, only about 25 days prior or after the uh, uh, other event. It says, in the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, again, the word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, son of Shatiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now in comparison with it? Is it not in your eyes as nothing? Stop right there for a moment. I think in every one of our lives, I know in my life, how God moved at different times. There's been different times and different seasons of God's move and work in my life and some of them, man, I look back at and say, wow, that was just such an awesome time, just an awesome sweetness of the Lord, feeling, experiencing just the power of God in my life in a way that I'd never, never experienced. Uh, Tant and I were married for uh, a few years, yeah, because we had kids already at that time, and so I know we'd been married at least uh, five or six years at that time. I'd been in ministry for a while at that time. I came to Christ as a senior in high school and just shortly after that got involved with ministry. And Yet it was in those mid-70s that, man, God just got a hold of me in a, in a way that he had never done before. I know, I know that I was saved as a senior in high school. I know that. But man, about seven or eight years later, God got a hold of me in a way that he had never done before. And just that time, that that presence, that that feel, that strength, that overwhelming just work of the Spirit of God in my life was just so phenomenal and just so great. It was awesome. And then, you know, you just kind of keep going your life and, hey, it's great, it's great. Well, you know, it, it, it was 
very good. Uh, you know, it's, it's doing fine. Yeah, I'm still walking with the Lord. But the greatness, the power, the fire, literally the fire of the Spirit, just was not there. And then several years later, again, the, just that outpouring of God's Holy Spirit in my life, just again, sparked me, woke me up again, got me, got me back on fire again for the things of the Lord. I want to tell you something. Don't look back at what God has done in your life as much as looking forward to what God desires to do in your life. We can spend all of our life thinking, oh, I wish it was like it was back then. Instead of saying, God, what new thing do you want to do in my life right now, today, even here in this place? What do you want to do with my life right now? Calvary Chapel, most of you know that, birthed out of the uh, late 60s, the big Jesus movement, just powerful, powerful move of God. Probably the worst thing that we could do as churches is try to look back and say, oh, we need to be like that again. The best thing we can do is to look forward and say, God, what do you want us to be now and in the future? And to continue to move forward in the kingdom. Because, guys, I, I believe that God is about new work. God is about rebuilding, restoring, renewing, reviving. But not to make us like we were, but to make us how we need to be right now. That's each one of us personally. And that's us as a church. Verse 4. He says, you're looking back at this thing, and in your eyes, what, what is happening right now is nothing. And in verse 4, he says, yet now, and I want you to count them, be strong, one. Be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Be strong, two, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, three, the people of the land, says the Lord. And work, for I am with you. What he's talking about is, man, the the way I take it, okay? He's talking about me as a pastor. He's talking about the leadership. He's talking about the congregation. We don't know. You know, people will ask every once in a while, especially when you have to deal with banks. Well, what's your growth plan? I don't know. It's the same thing it's always been. We're going to teach the Word of God, and as many as come, come, Okay. Well, what do you think it's going to look like in five years? I don't know. We're going to teach the word, and whoever comes, comes. And I think, but I do believe that as long as we're faithful to do what God has called us to do, God will bless it. If we're not faithful to do what God has called to do, I hope and pray that God does not bless it. Okay? He says, be strong, be strong, be strong, for I am with you. Verse uh, 5 says, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Church, as we've looked at the Old Testament, what is the picture of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt? What does that represent? Coming out of the world. Absolutely. It, It represents our salvation. Biblically, we see that picture. They're under the bondage of Pharaoh. 
God took them out of that, their salvation. He says here, he says, according to what I covenanted with you, I promised you this. God does not withdraw his promises. He fulfills that covenant relationship with his people. He is faithful to continue to complete his work. He that's begun a good work in you will complete it until you blow it really big time. Is that what it says? Until you blow it a certain number of times. No. He will complete it until that day. That day. We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We have services on Saturday evenings and two Sunday morning worship services, as well as other services throughout the week. For more information about service times, including driving directions, log on to TheOpenWord.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now, we want to be sure to tell you how you can get a free copy of this teaching. Simply log on to TheOpenWord.com. Our website has today's message available for you to download. For more information about The Open Word or Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, we encourage you to log on to TheOpenWord.com. Remember, at the website you'll find quite a bit of information about The Open Word and a link to the church website. So log on to TheOpenWord.com today and get to know us better. We wish we had more time today to share more of Pastor David's message, but we've run out of time. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God richly bless you.